Adventure Zone, a Star Trek podcast by ladies, where we talk about Star Trek loudly and at great length. I am your host, Kareen, joined, you know what, pretty much regularly by Ari. <laughs> Hello. And Kim. Hello. Today we are here to talk about Season 2, Episode 18, Immunity Syndrome, or as I like to call it, Doctor, Doctor, tell me the news, I got a bad case of amoeba blues. <laughs> That How long did that one take? I just came up with that on the spot. Wow. Very yeah. Impressed. Well, except for my little note right there where I like had a genius note as I was looking through like the trivia about this episode. Mm. I was I was trying really, really hard. I'm very impressed. Yeah. Super interested to hear what everyone at the table thinks about this episode because I know what Ari thinks and I know what I think. Kim, what do you think? I don't know what I think. Like Well, that's decisive. Yeah. Um, it wasn't the worst episode I've ever seen. Okay, but Kim, the bar but, is so low. But it was really boring. It was long. Nothing really happened. And to be quite honest, this afternoon, by this afternoon, I had forgot that I watched it. And if I hadn't been looking in my purse to find a book at the library, I would have gone home and not come here because I forgot we were recording a podcast because I didn't remember watching the episode. <laughs> well, that's telling. That's fair. Although I feel like that might be some of the weird magic surrounding this episode. That like, up is live. down, forward is backwards. This episode felt like it was 45 hours long. Yeah, there was so much so downtime in this episode. Long. Yeah, and endless recapping in personal logs, announcements to crew as to what was happening did not help. No, I think I figured out why, though. It felt so goddamn endless. Yeah. There was no B-plot in this episode. There's never a B-plot. No, there's often a B-plot, but there wasn't even, like, a character B-plot. And Yeah. Yes. Disagree? Mm-hmm. Yeah, disagree. The, the B-plot was Spock and Bones. Yeah, but yeah. that didn't come into the episode until two-thirds of the way through, so I don't know that it qualifies. Like, there wasn't usually, anything else happening. No, there's no. just one straight line from beginning to end. Well, going beginning to end and then back and then forward and then back and then forward because everything is backwards, up is down. I, I don't know that it necessarily... Like, episode of television can be good if it's just your straight narrative. I yeah. don't necessarily think that every episode has to have a B-plot, but it has there have other things going on. I, I don't it know. It felt hollow. Well, no, here's thinking... your monster of the week, right? Sure. And here is how we are systematically dealing with it. But I I don't know. I, I can't pinpoint it. Kim? The one thing that I appreciated, I think, from this episode is that we didn't rush through everything we were doing with wild suppositions. We actually yeah. Yeah. go through the process based. of figuring out what was going mm-hmm. on. I think maybe that's why it dragged about, because we got to see every step. Oh, yeah. But at the same mm-hmm. time, we never get to see that in original series, so I was really yeah. kind of happy to see the problem-solving process I... and going through all the steps and figuring out what they were doing next. I have no problem with the central plot of this episode. I think it's a very straightforward, solid, classic sci-fi sort of problem to be solved. And you know what? I love the giant space amoeba. <gasps> I enjoy that a lot. Shut your I enjoy face. every version of this story that they do in later Star Trek franchises, and they all do at least one. But, like, it's just that there was nothing else in this episode except for the central plot, and they never deviate from it, and it feels hollow to me well, you as know, an episode. You know the part in the episode where the weird, like, feedback starts all over the Enterprise and everyone's like, oh, I'm so depressed. I was yeah. like, yeah, like, that is super That's effective because I, I feel 
so what was like irritable and annoyed and like slightly depressed like i felt it i felt it Mm -hmm. that noise that was (laughs) a weird sound it's a weird thing to say but that noise reminded me from the first hunger games film of the sound that starts the games and so whenever i heard it my mind would wander to the hunger games and then i would start wondering oh should i just stop this and start watching the hunger games (laughs) Maybe that's why it was so long for you, Tammy, that you're constantly watching The Hunger Games. Actually, to be perfectly honest, that is like the beginning chord of a lot of the music that I listen to. So I was (laughs) like, let's rock out navel grazing style. Like, I I don't, I didn't hate this episode. I didn't think it was the worst ever. And my bar is higher than Kim's is. But well, the lows in the original series are so low. They're very low. It's just, I like, I liked it basically, but it, it, it needed fleshing out for me. If they had put more into the subplot between Spock and Bones, yeah. and if they had put more into maybe some kind of moral consideration of, like, sh- like we have to kill the amoeba, should we kill the amoeba? It killed! Okay, Kim, yeah, let's okay. do your count I'm, ahead okay. of time. I'm not going to, dis- like, I'm not going to disagree You're not going to last to the buffalo this one? No, I'm not <laughs> going to last to the buffalo the amoeba. The amoeba kind of had to die. Strong words, Kim. <laughs> Going back to your track record, I, I am shocked. Yes. But I think, well, first off, I didn't like a lot of the decisions that Kirk made. There were some stupid decisions at the beginning. Um, uh, we're side eyeing her really hard, I've guys. I've lost my point at this moment. What was I wow, saying? Wow, it's like the sound has happened all... Just thinking about <laughs> oh the sound God. makes me go... Ooh. I don't even remember what I was saying. Where there was goes I my going? train of thought and my will to live. Yeah, basically. I thought of something they could have done to flesh it out. Because I'm thinking uh, romance? of... Romance? No. Giving other Kirk people something to do. the amoeba? Yes. Paralleling the Enterprise's experiences with what happened in the Vulcan ship. Like five or six things they could have done that I just thought of right now. I feel like they should have found the logs of the Vulcan ship. Because yeah. there's a through line going through the episode that I really like. Which is... Well, the Vulcans would have did this and they perished. Yeah. Yeah. Is that I think you had to approach it not so much from a logical point mm-hmm. of view as like you had to do I feel like they should have found the logs of the Vulcan ship at some point. Yeah. And they had been going through all the same decisions that they had made. Like if there was some kind of time distortion yeah. and they were only getting like they would do a thing and then the voice of the dead would come back and say, Oh yeah, and then we did this thing and it didn't work. Well, even even if not, because there's also this sort of fatalism in this episode that, like, like entropy yeah, is yeah. the enemy here. The idea that there is only one reasonable path, and they keep looking at the logs, and it's completely plausible for them to have encountered the black box of the Intrepid at some point. Yeah. And they're going through the logs, and they'll be like, well, this is the only thing we can do. It's the only thing to do that makes sense. And they do it, and of course it doesn't work. And they're like, well, the Vulcans did that, and it didn't work. But it is really the only logical thing to do. And then... That one beat near the very, very end where Kirk is like, wait a minute, what if the answer is to be illogical? And I, I wanted that to be I agree picked with up you. earlier. I agree with you that you should have had the line going through the entire episode of the fatalism, that entropy mm-hmm. is the decay of, the inevitable decay of any system, mm-hmm. of any closed system, right? Yeah. And that that was just, they were going along the exact same path, there's nothing they can do about it, they're yeah. valiantly and boldly going to off deviate. to their death. And that, that, the opposite of it, the life, the the unexpected, the gut feelings, mm-hmm. the let's take a chance. Like, that had to be the opposite of it, is yeah. that they went on that path for a while, at, but 
Yeah. They make the choice for life instead of the choice for death. Yeah. And, and, and that's the, the better we, episode. We get one line in the whole episode that does this. And I'm really frustrated that we didn't get more. Now I'm more frustrated about that than I was before when it was just a feeling. It's true. But and this, you, had, you had to have more conflicts yeah. between Spock, who's just like, they would have done everything that was logical. They would have done everything that was yeah. within procedures. And, it would and have been, they still died. And it would have been better if it had been Spock who had the idea that... The reason the Vulcans never could have survived this, they never would have, because they yeah. would have been incapable of doing something that deviated from logic. And I submit to you, Captain, that the only way for us to survive is to do something that they never would have done. Strong agree. Also, the argument with Bones mm-hmm. was ridiculous in this episode. Yeah, that was and the was wrong uncom- tack. It was the wrong argument to oh, be yeah. having. Yeah. Completely. Yeah, it's all about, well, I want to drive the shuttlecraft and martyr myself for science. No, I want to. No. Again, you have to have that conflict between the fatalism and what Bones does best is mm-hmm. in the face of all the logic and yeah. all the correct decisions says, no, we have to be human. We have to be And I wanted to have that argument between the three of them and to have Spock actually turn to Bones and go, as a matter of fact, Doctor, I agree with you and yeah. I have to be the one to go. And that would have made so much more sense than this stupid sibling rivalry one-upmanship thing that eventually actually gave the impetus for him to go. Damn, we just wrote, like, a really good episode, guys. We did. We were very good at this. (sighs) Which is all the more disappointing for the episode that we're about to talk about. Mm -hmm. Essentially, we get from point A to point B. uh... And then back to point A. Because everything reverses itself. It's very strange. Like, they're going back to Starbase 6 for Mm -hmm. a period of, like, relaxation. And it sounds like casual sex. It's always sure. casual sex. There's always yeah, some of that involved. Again, I feel like, again, we could have put another parallel in is that the Balkans always do, they don't need R&R. Spock could have been like, oh, I don't need any relaxed relaxation. I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And then you could have had, well, no, the humans need to relax and they need to kind of get back to their creativity side and not just See do all these their subtle duty. cues we could have dropped. Or to use Kirk's euphemism, they needed to land on a planet. Oh, which was disgusting, P.S., it was great. I laughed out loud. Anyway, the the Kirk out at the very end is disgusting. Amazing. Gross. Poor, poor little young. But again, like even setting it up from the very, very beginning, Vulcans don't need rest. Humans do because mm-hmm. they need to like get yeah, their because we're we're not a straight line. We're peaks and valleys. Exactly. And that's what saves us from entropic death. God damn it! That would have been a really good episode. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. But it isn't. It isn't. They're trying to go to Starbase 6, and apparently there's an, this intrepid ship. The USS The intrepid. Vulcan ship. Just well, Vulcans. Yeah, all it's the a way Starfleet down. ship Man. crewed entirely by, by Vulcans. Vulcans. Yeah. And starting a precedent that we repeat over and over again throughout yep. the franchise. There's at least, I think there's mention of at least two, I looked on memory alpha. At least this. two. There's two other ships that you hear of that are meant, um, manned entirely by Vulcan crews, which I think is awesome. One of them is the one that is captained by Cisco's rival from the Academy. That yes, they that the one best I, baseball game ever. That one I actually looked up and that was the Tacumbra. Tacumbra. Good. Okay, but here's my question though. Yes, Are Karen. there at this point there's 400 Vulcans on this ship? Mm-hmm. Yes. Are there four I guess there's 400 Vulcans in Starfleet at this point? I feel like they've got like under the umbrella of Starfleet or the Federation, they have their own ships that they don't have to go through Starfleet Academy for. Because okay, so you think this might be a, a a Federation ship that has come from Vulcan? Yeah. Okay, that would make the more Vulcans. sense. Intrepid's a weird name, though, if it's purely Vulcan ship. Agreed. Are Vulcans intrepid? Maybe no. it was. Maybe it's a, a 
Starfleet vessel that was given to the Vulcan High Command. Like, this, we don't know. It's not clear, I, but like, I feel like it was the equivalent of like a Starfleet ship. Yeah, because yeah. all the language science they and ex- yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's just crewed by a bunch of people from that Vulcan school over there. Well, yeah, they have sure. a really good school. They do. Um, yeah, because that was the, that was sort of the big question I had. Because at this point, we know that Spock is the first Vulcan in Starfleet. Yeah, and we get that over and over and over again. Which mm-hmm. I think actually gets retconned. He's the first Vulcan to go through Starfleet Academy mm. because Paul is technically the first Vulcan. Well, it in makes Starfleet. sense if this iteration of Starfleet is still relatively new. The idea that they would sort of have like the idea that you sort of send military units over to share a mission with another country's military units. Mm-hmm. It comes back to our own thing. Like, does Vulcan have a military? They've got their own ships off doing stuff. Things. Also, deep questions saying, skipping ahead because none of this matters. Uh, Has Vulcan ever been conquered? Spock says no. No. Because, she said flipping this over, there is a line in there saying that's why we've never been conquered. Whereas a couple of episodes before, when... The Vulcans refuse to drink alcohol. Bones is like, that's why you guys got conquered. What is it? Huh. What? I don't remember that. I do because I remember us having a discussion about it. Apparently we're all just sucked into this black amoeba hole of not remembering. That was not what it was before I watched this episode. Um, that it contradicts itself in this this entire this season saying that yes, Vulcan has been conquered. No, Vulcan has never been conquered. Huh. Well, what Spock Weird. actually says... I don't think he says no, we've he never. Says we've never been conquered. Yeah, he says we've never been conquered. That's why they can't conceive of huh. losing or something. Or maybe the yeah. Vulcans just sort of did a mental end run and decided to redefine what happened as not conquering. Well, because the... Sounds like them. They were like a warlike species. At some point, the Romulan subset got in a bunch of ships and left. Mm. And then at some point, they discovered logic in order to... <laughs> contain their emotions. Stuff. They found logic in a cave. They no, probably in Enterprise, did. they find logic in a cave. Like, literally. Is it... They a, go caving and come out with logic. It, is it a person? I think it's a statue or something. A so they see a statue, statue and they're like, hot damn, A squared plus B squared equals C squared? <laughs> no, in Enterprise, it's like the true writings of Surak because the teachings have become corrupted and that's why we're all dicks to everybody all the time. So wow. we have to go back into the cave? I don't remember. It was stupid, but you did get young, um, what's her name? T'Pau. T'Pau. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Cool. Anyways, <laughs> Spock has a yeah. moment yeah. on the bridge. Because we already know something is wrong because the Intrepid's gone out of contact. And they've also That's lost... That's never good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They've also lost contact with an entire star system. Oh, star system. That's never good. You no. win some, you lose some. And Spock suddenly, like, clutches at his head and cries out in pain. He has a Obi-Wan Kenobi, a thousand voices calling yes, exactly. out at the same time moment, mm-hmm. which I really he enjoyed. He clutches his head and he's like, oh, a thousand voices... Uh, actually, 400. wait, 400 voices calling out all the same. So he feels them die, basically. Yeah. And he says this, and everyone's like... Which is like, go to sickbay, you're probably just having a moment. That's a very specific and weird moment to have. Well, I don't know. I'm not sure that I read it entirely like that, but... Oh, There's, no, they don't believe it no, at all. No. I don't know. It was more like they thought he was over-dramatizing it. Because they actually do have a conversation where Bones asks him, it's like, I thought you had to be in physical contact for your woo-woo psychic powers to work. 
And Spock's like, well, normally, yeah, but this was kind of out of the ordinary for me. They sent him to sickbay for having hysterical lady pain? Well, he kind of fainted, nearly. No, he's like... He swooned. swooned. He staggered. I don't want swooning people in charge on my bridge. All he's doing is looking at the stars. Hmm. To, To be honest, Spock's job is not that important. Anyhow. So... The Starbase 6 calls them up and says, hey, we've lost this ship. Could you go and look for it? And Kirk's response is, but I'm so tired. I really felt Kirk in that moment. Yeah. Like, maybe, maybe someone else. We're really tired. So, so tired. I I really felt that. I did. Yeah. But the Starbase is like, "Uh, no, we've also lost an entire star system. Misplaced. An entire, an entire system. Um, and so they, they go, and Chekhov's like, so I did a long-range scan, um, the entire star system is gone. This is, this is a terrible moment. They They, say the word dead, and Kirk says, that was a fourth magnitude sun, there were billions of inhabitants in that system. Of course, because billions are dead of every episode of Star Trek. Well, no, to be fair, it's been quite a while since we started an episode (laughs) with billions dead, so they're, they're, they're throttling back a little bit. Also... Because this happened during the episode, the billions go in my count. So get prepared for a death count and a half. (laughs) (laughs) This moment is so weird because Mm -hmm. I think Chekhov's like, well, all the stars are gone and everything is gone and everything is gone. Kirk doesn't like slow his roll or anything or like, wait, let's just pause for a moment. No, no, of course not. Head first into nothingness. And... Chekhov's like, well, there were billions of inhabitants here. And Shatner has the weirdest acting moment that I've ever had. He's angry. It's almost like someone is, like, you're bartering with someone and you're like, 5%? 5%? You dishonor me! And his reaction is, billions of inhabitants? You dishonor me! Um, (laughs) He seems annoyed. Like, Mm -hmm. genuinely annoyed. What do you mean you lost a billion? How many billions? Billions. They just said billions. 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 Shit. Yeah. That is it's really like this awesome. earth is gone. There's billions of people. Yeah. No. Yeah. But it's totally fine. Or no, wait, it isn't fine. They're really, they're never coming back. They're gone. Mm. They have been sucked into the amoeba. Okay, but question. At the end of the episode, they say that the stars are back. Well, they escaped so, the negative... I think they the meant that they generating. can see the stars again from coming out of the black nothingness of Yeah, but didn't it Amoeba eat the Central. stars? No, it didn't eat the stars. It generated a, quote, negative energy field, unquote, so that I'm when they were it. inside the field, they couldn't see the stars. There are times a month that I also generate a negative <laughs> energy field. Um, and then they killed it, and it dissipated so they could see the stars again. Something, I something. choose to believe that those people came back to life. You were wrong. Oh, wait, wrong. no, the Vulcans also die. Yeah. yeah. Well, Aww. the thing, because once you're in the magic energy-sucking field, your Aww. life force, whatever the fuck metric they were using to measure life force, they never explained. <laughs> yeah. Just goes and you die. It gets sucked into the amoeba's nucleus. You mm. literally lose the will to live. You become, yeah. like, amoeba food. Mm-hmm. And then you just huh. go dead. Well, that's awful. So... Spock and Bones have a redundant conversation. Is that he's like, I heard the death screams of so many Vulcans, and Bones like, Pfft. well, that's where he he gets all technical. Like, I still don't understand how your psychic powers work. Sorry. Yeah, for a doctor who has been treating Spock for a few years now, 
He's still incompetent. He's mm-hmm. still really resentful every time he has to deal with Vulcan biology. Worst Although, doctor in the fleet, man. He just doesn't give a shit about Vulcans. No, again, he's like, well, I hooked you up to these machines, but I can't tell with your wibbly-wobbly inside. It's Whoa. like, literally every time he interacts with Spock in a medical fashion, he's just like, why can't you be more human? It's really kind of racist. <laughs> kind of? <laughs> I mean, there's also the fact that speciesist. There's also, I mean, Spock is probably not a 100% typical example of Vulcan biology anyway. So, yeah, but crack open a book, man. Yeah, Yeah. seriously. Although maybe the Vulcans won't give them any books. You're the doctor. You're supposed to be doing his like annual physical checkup. Develop like he didn't know about baseline. It seems like a pretty important basic biological function. Far, but like not knowing what Spock's regular resting blood pressure is or something. Ponfar, I think that is crazy and dangerous not to tell your primary medical practitioner about, but. When you go Whatever crazy Spock. with the bloodlust. Yeah. Fair point. And get super mm. violent and dangerous to your crew to members. Although, you know what? Dying. I don't hate this conversation, even though it is super redundant because they've already had it on the bridge. Yeah. Because Spock basically calls him out for it. Oh, He's yeah. like, look, we can feel the deaths of each other. And in fact, in canon, we have it mentioned more than once that Vulcans have, like, even more than humans, significant physical reactions to emotional states. Like, when their partners die, they often don't outlive them. Stuff like that. And he's like, maybe if humans could feel when other humans died, your history would be less bloody. Yeah, the thing that I liked is that um, Spock is commenting on how humans feel the death of one more than the yeah. death of a million. Mm-hmm. It's Which true. Is like, it's, that's like a yeah. completely relevant and point. Like, yeah. one person can die and everybody will throw up their hands and wail and vigils and then, Millions. you know, a, a war kills 50,000 people, and everyone's like, oh, that's really sad. And it's actually not a stupid conversation they have, because Bones is like, well, of course we don't, because it's a defense mechanism, because if we felt the death of every person in a million that die in a war, we would just curl up and die. And Spock's like, well, maybe if you could, your history wouldn't be so crappy. Basically. It's true. I think it's also... He's right. It's hard for us to visualize... And understand what the death of millions, mm-hmm. or in this case, billions, mean. We need someone's life to put in put it in context for mm-hmm. us yeah. to understand the individual loss. And then but the way that it. Bones is, he's like, you wouldn't wish that. Are the feel the pain of one's neighbor. You wouldn't wish that on us, would you, Spock? And Spock's like, well, maybe, because he's got a point. Um, it makes me think of the cabin pressure episode for Ottery Saint Mary, where they're trying to visualize. A million otters will fit in the plane. Someone <laughs> says, "You can't, you can't, you can't visualize a million otters. You can't even visualize a hundred otters." And then they try to visualize what does a hundred otters look like, and it takes like the full twenty-minute episode. And it's hilarious. And you should listen to it. But that's what it makes me think of: is like you can't see, you can't comprehend that number. It, it's like in. I think it's why like horrible historical wars or historical genocides is that we tend to cling to the narrative of the one person to try and understand the whole. Mm -hmm. Also, it's less painful that way. Yeah. Yeah. Again, we guys, we're getting sucked into, like, the black hole of just... The entropy monster is getting us. Oof. Also, so they have to jump up onto the bridge because the deflector shields, and I quote, snapped snapped on? on? Yeah. That's actually relevant later, to be fair, because the shields apparently have enough... They're connected to the sensor, so... Um, they turn themselves on automatically, which maybe is something they should have, you know, had earlier as a feature because they really could have used it. And I don't it's think it's not a bad system. No, I'm it's not a great saying system. it's a bad system. I'm just like, oh, is it... why are you continually saying deflector shields on then? Well, hmm. I mean, presumably in this case, it's 
actively encountering some form of energy that is a threat to the ship. Whereas in battle situations, you usually put the shields up before someone starts shooting at you. I quite, I quite like that as a little Fine. passing detail. Um, They're doing some energy turbulence. Mm-hmm. Shaky, shaky, shaky. And then Everyone. we look out the window. And there's a giant hole in space. Now, I want to pull the room. If you encountered a giant black hole in space where there once was a star system with billions of inhabitants, would you, A, stop and consider for a second, or B, full speed ahead? A, you do know how I like to fill holes. <laughs> I still would kind of take a moment and go... Just a moment... Well, they do take a moment. They do take a moment. They launch a probe. Literally a moment. They, they, they launch a probe, which mm-hmm. is always a good thing to do. Kirk's like, speculate. Chekhov, bless his stupid haired heart, mm-hmm. says, oh, it's uh, probably a dust cloud. I'm sorry, what? Well, I mean, the people no on the bridge already. don't seem to... To be fair, the original version of this graphic did not look quite this stark black. So no. it wasn't, and the people on the bridge do take it as a serious suggestion for about two or three seconds. It's like, well, no, no it doesn't really look like a dust cloud. No. So they send the probe in. It sends back the beginning of the Dandy Warhols album, <laughs> their third one, "Welcome to the Monkey House." It sends back the enter the enter the start noise for the Hunger Games. <laughs> it's a very unpleasant sound. Yes. Yeah, it's because it's been eaten, and everyone on the bridge gets dizzy. Half of the ship faints. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. We get, yeah, Bones calls out from sickbay. He's like, so, um, I'm getting all these reports of fainting and stuff. People are nervous, weak, and irritable. And here's what I wrote. Hey, maybe we should GTFO. <laughs> but they don't. They do not. They boldly go, Ari. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Kirk starts getting, uh, really so hang annoyed. on a second. Because Trisha is not here, mm-hmm. and because I'm the least likely person to ever do this, <laughs> I'm going to talk for a moment about some of the language of this episode. <laughs> Where Right, I didn't take notes on this because I knew Trisha was going to be here, but she's not here. No, I feel that somebody needs okay, to fill take Trisha's, Trisha's place. Okay. So Kirk at one point says he is going to probe the area of darkness. Yes. <laughs> they need to penetrate the zone. Yes. <laughs> and there's another one, and I don't remember where it was, but it was gross as well. And it's going to come back and I'll, I wrote it down. Was it I about was sensitivity? It Probing the been. sensitive area? Yeah. yeah. No, we need to penetrate the sensitive area. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I feel that that does need to be mentioned. Thank you, yeah. Kim, honorary Trisha for this mm-hmm, episode. Mm-hmm. This language was dirty. Yeah. It really, really a was. A lot of penetrating. You know In retrospect, now that we know it is a giant space amoeba and therefore is a squishy biological monster, it is more dirty than it well, was. It's also like, ooh, it's just like primed and ready to reproduce. We need to penetrate it now. It's like, oh! <laughs> that was my reaction. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. So Kirk's getting all cranky because... Because well, people are nervous. We and the magic people. energy field is already affecting him. Yeah. Um, and he's getting all cranky with Spock because he doesn't have any data because, well, the probe, the probe. disappeared. And he asks, well, what isn't it? Uh, well, all they really know is it's some form of energy. Spock engages in one of the most egregious events of Spock blocking that ever was. <laughs> and then he's like, Kirk's like, okay, speculate, as we have done countless episodes before. No. <laughs> okay, could you tell me what it isn't? No. Uh, can you give me anything? No! Well, he gives him a couple of things, but they're not very useful, because as he told him, he doesn't have any data. So Kirk has to ask an open question to the bridge, which is probably one of my favorite lines of this episode is, 
kindly tell me what happened to the stars. <laughs> yes. No one has an answer. At one point before the stars disappear, he says, tell Starfleet we're going to attempt to probe. <laughs> and they approach it because why not, I guess. Uh, and here I wrote, this is very unwise. See, this is this is one of the places where Kirk made a bad decision. Like when the probe does, does, is like disappeared and you get terrible noises and everybody faints, you don't go closer to the mysterious well, black hole in space. I feel like he has an obligation, though, knowing that it essentially ate the Vulcans and billions of people, to be like, well, I guess we should see what's up and try and report back. Sure. But I would assume, given the information that I had, like, I do not have insufficient data. I have enough data that as soon as you went into that thing, you'd be dead. Yeah. Probably, like, yes. that That is what I would extrapolate from that situation. Same. And I would and probably... I didn't even go to space captain school. I would probably sacrifice someone I didn't like like Kyle to <laughs> take a shuttlecraft and report back. Yeah, basically. Again, this is why I would make badass command material sacrifice Cal, who Shatner repeatedly calls Cowl through the entire episode. Is it the same actor or a different actor? I think uh, it's the same, same actor. He's referring to the other guy in the gold shirt at the uh, the helm. The helm. The, the, oh, the whose only... name is for sure Kyle. Yeah. And everyone else refers to him as Kyle, but Shatner apparently pronounces Forgot. it as Cowl. Oh, this weird. episode anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, the horrible sound happens again and the stars disappear. And uh, we're suddenly getting really unfortunate energy drops, which is never good when it's the one thing keeping space from inside. And uh, there's a good moment because they're starting to kind of figure out, oh, it's a zone of energy that cannot handle life, which is a beautiful poetic move. Mm-hmm. Bones's suggestion to the captain is, I recommend... Survival. Thanks, genius. Mm-hmm. Very helpful. As a doctor, do you have anything else to add to this conversation? No, get your ass off the bridge. <laughs> okay, comment here. This yes. is where I noticed, what the hell is going on with the waistband of Kirk's pants? And why does his V keep getting deeper and shallower throughout the entire episode? Wraparound shirts are unpredictable. This is so weird because I did not notice that at all. That is really weird. Even I noticed that. There's some no. points where his V is almost showing off his man cleavage, <gasps> and then there's other points where it's just completely normal. At first I thought it was just the difference between sitting and standing, yeah. but then there's a part where he's standing near the end, and it's deep again. It was driving me crazy. What was wrong with me? Well, in the way that people like to speculate about uh, women's bodies, maybe he was pregnant. It's entirely possible his pants looked like they were on weird, or they kept going up his body. Maybe because he kept slithering in his chair. Yeah, he was very squirmy, like a five-year-old. This is also the last episode that they filmed, although not the last episode that we're going to see, that's Blood and Circuses, where he's wearing his green wraparound whatever the hell that is, Mm -hmm. and goes back to his golden gold outfit. Oh, thank God. I hate this wraparound shirt, even though it shows off his man cleavage. I don't mind it when it was used as, like, his dress uniform, it seems really weird that he's wearing a strange V-neck. Yeah. Like, there's no casual V-necks for no, men. and I don't like the sideways Starfleet insignia that's, like, on his, like, self belt. Like, okay. <laughs> Although I personally would wear that shirt. But he shouldn't be wearing it. You Neither could, should you. I don't think you could do that color. No, no. I'd want it as a dress. You still can't no, do that color. Too much rickrack. Okay, but the actual, like, cut of it. Okay, like. question. Can you ever have a professional V-necked wraparound for a man? Can it be done? 
Professional? No. Professional. Well, no. Not, in, not in today's, you know, toxic masculinity world. No, probably not. Like, you could do, if you were having, like, casual Friday, you could get away with a bit of a v-neck on a sweater, I think. Like, a nice yeah. cashmere where you sexually push up the arms. Okay, but yeah. I don't think... Keep talking, Kim. Keep yeah, talking. Yeah, yeah. Are they wearing glasses, too? Yeah, they got, like, glasses. Ben Schwartz hair? Basically, mm-hmm. if you show up looking like Chris Pine, you could get away with it. Ooh. Yeah, but I don't think there's any sort of like see honestly i'm picturing logan hutzberger but that may or may not be because we've been rewatching. oh no i was thinking i was thinking the body of a 12 year old it's such a shame amy's not here because she would have jumped in with you mean like logan hutzberger no i don't think you can do business formal with a man v-neck no no no, I'm okay with that. I do not like the the V-neck on the man, even on Shatner. I'm like, if you're gonna go like chest, I want full chest. I don't want a peekaboo window. I can deal. I with want it. a show. I can deal with it on some men, but I, for me, it depends on the chest hair situation. Oh, if, oh yeah. If, if you got like a full bush there, that's <laughs> just no. If it's if it's no. a V-neck bush, anyway. <laughs> It's their bodies, their choice. Exactly, but like... But I don't want... I don't necessarily want to see it. No, exactly. In the same way that maybe they don't want to see my extracurricular body hair. Like, hmm. Well, if... What does uh, mean? I know Shatner's as smooth as space. It is, it really is. But I'm sure he's waxing pretty heavily. Yeah, but anyway, the V-neck situation drove me insane through this episode. Do you think he waxes like the whole thing or just the part where the V-neck is going to go down to? the whole thing. Really? A whole chestular don't, area, front and back. Don't we get... A, no, we get no peaks. Well, he's always... He's constantly shirtless and he doesn't have any body hair. Or maybe we're just not looking hard enough. Okay! <laughs> Do you need Moving some higher death cream? I need, like, the highest death to check this situation. <sighs> yes. Okay, I'm cutting you now off that now. that we've pissed Ari off completely. Yeah, what's this episode about anyways? <laughs> Kirk tries to buck up the crew with his first of many cheery announcements. It's Ugh. a bad one. It's a bad one. This was like this is another bad decision that he made. He stayed. He didn't immediately try and leave. And he called the crew to say, I know you're all sick, and this is probably gonna make it worse, but we're staying. No. The the entirety of that little announcement to the crew was Hey guys, this is Kirk. Do your jobs, Kirk yeah. out. Basically. Yeah. Good pep um, talk, Bones. And Bones pitches in with, uh, so we're dying. For some, hey. for some metric of dying that I'll decline to explain because I don't have one. I have huge problems with that. He's like, mm-hmm. well, by my, my things, we're dying. Yeah, all of us are at every single point in our lives as yeah. soon as we're exactly alive. Exactly what metric are you using? We're what? all dying. Like You're dying, Kim. Ari, you're dying. Like, Listener, you're dying. <laughs> Your heartbeat, your electromagnetic charge. Entropy what? has won. We how are you, all dying. How do you scientifically measure entropy bones? I wanted to know this. Except I, that the little thingies go down on the bio bed. They're but okay. probably dying faster than they should be. Sure, sure. Yeah, but how would you even measure that? How do you know how many micromorts that a person has? That is micromorts. Like, <laughs> that is eventually like inching them ever closer to death. Like That's a bizarre thing. That you could measure the entropy in a person and then be able to calculate out of that how much they're dying and that they're dying at a higher rate or the entropy is increasing. It was which pretty is stupid. T- ridiculous thing to be able to calculate because mm-hmm. I don't think you can. Mm-hmm. Well, not now, but maybe in 250 years. We have I don't care. Detectors Bone says, a... we're all dying. Fact. You're all dying. We're yeah. all dying. We're all going to die. Some of us sooner than others. 
Okay, okay. Death! Death! Death is upon us! The scythe is over your shoulder! The cool, breezy, carrion breath of death is over your shoulder at every time. Pull yourself together, man! But it's okay! Yeah, anyway. Yeah, anyway, they find themselves essentially in the bizarro zone. Yeah. yeah. Where, uh, Up is down! Yes, and uh, Scotty tries to recalibrate, hits something with his elbow or something, and um, Jesus. puts the ship in reverse. And this is where they clumsily try and introduce the whole forwards is backwards, backwards is forwards, anything that we try and put into the universe, the universe pushes back at us, or whatever. Fine. Because when he throws the ship into reverse, the ship gets forward thrust. Fine. Sure. This is never explained Not and important. only mentioned one more time at the climax. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of forward thrusting. Yeah. yeah. But they the do figure out that if They're they put themselves... Constant forward thrust. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they do figure out that if they turn, put the ship on, like, full forward, it slows down how fast they're being sucked into the middle of the negative zone. Because nonsense. Because nonsense. They try so hard during this entire episode not to say the words heart of darkness. <laughs> you could tell, right? They use every yeah. single variation of trying to, like, we going into the center of darkness. Mm-hmm. Into the heart of the creature. Like, guys, the words that you're looking for is heart of darkness, and if you had used that, I would have been very appreciative. Again, you could have gone like you could have gone like a weird like Joseph Conrad illusion. Yeah, but that 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 requires a really crazy captain. It's a very different theme too. Fun heart of darkness fact: I once destroyed Ari's copy of the book by dumping an entire bottle of Diet Pepsi over it. It swelled up to four times its original size, just like Conrad's head. I'd buy her a new copy. Did you? I did. Why? Because it was her book. You know how she is about her books. I hate that book. I know, but you still wanted a new copy. Hmm. At least it's a novella. Yeah, that's true. Hate it. That's fine. There is a bit about here that I really like. Mm -hmm. Is that Spock, they're trying to figure out, like, what to do, what to do. It's going on forever. And they're trying things. And Spock is like, they, they would not have believed that they were being killed they just they couldn't even begin to understand it they have never been conquered they can't understand this and at the moment of their death they weren't like ah he says they were astonished at being beaten yeah bizarre it is very bizarre i love it it's interesting in the context of the episode but in the context of the canon even just original series canon it makes no sense and is contradicted several times shut up it's a beautiful line and i love it it is a very nice like delicious alien building culture stuff that even the concept of being conquered or being beaten that's that's not even logic that's just oversimplification it's not pride it's pride but it's not it's not but the fact that they think that logic. they cannot logic themselves out of any situation at mm. any given point. See, if he'd explained it that way, I would have bought it a lot more. Mm. I thought it was oversimplified. Like, I, I really liked, line. the lines were great. They were beautiful dialogue. But I didn't think it made a lot of sense in story. Um, we also, yeah, so, yeah, he suggests they wouldn't have believed they were being conquered. And Hera, that's not logical. And underlined logical four times. Um, Kirk so, makes another terrible cheery announcement. There, there is a good point, and Kim, you're gonna love this. We get introduced to our ticking clock of this Ugh. episode. They have two hours until they smack the power, into. Yeah. 
you know, because it's sucking them in, and their engines are going on full, and they only have yes. two hours. They, left. they see the creature finally, and though. it is totally called this much earlier. It's a giant space amoeba. Really? Yeah, I wrote it down. It's a amoeba? Question mark? Question mark? I had giant one-eyed space jellyfish. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 fine. I went with a laguna. What the hmm. hell's a laguna? Like the laguna, like the mermaid laguna in Peter Pan. Lagoon? Laguna. What? Laguna. Sure. Anyways, it's kind of beautiful. And they start taking measurements of it. Because, it's huge. Um, it's 11,000 miles across. Two and... to 3,000 miles wide. <laughs> it varies. Which is 17,703 kilometers. Again, Ari, I cannot even conceive of a no, single kilometer. That is still insane. It's big. It's, it's big. very big. It's big. It's big. It eats, it's apparently been eating space. Yeah. Energy. All energy. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I hate everything about and that. And it's studded with space junk. So because I don't think it's been eating. Yeah, it. I don't think it eats it though. I think it just smacks into it because it and sucks blah, it in. Blah, blah, blah. So it's yeah, it's an amoeba. It's alive. Mm-hmm. Last of the buffalo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's buffalo. a giant simple life and bones out of friggin' nowhere. Is like, well, it can reproduce. I don't think they actually what? get that until Spock's inside of it. No. No, it's right here. Oh. As Bones is like, it can re- it will reproduce. Well, I mean, I'm sure, it, yeah. How do you know that? Well, if it's an amoeba. We don't know if it's, it's a space amoeba that's 11,000 well, miles make, along. They make, they're drawing conclusions, but I mean, they have to do something. It's very stupid. But anyways, it's like a virus. And that's essentially what this, this the, the episode was conceived of when the writer and the kind of concept is that this mm-hmm. is a, a virus into the, the, the universe body, the body yeah. universe. Yeah. 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 And so how do you destroy a virus? You take three days off, you stay on the couch, and you drink plenty of fluids. And marathon something on TV. Agreed. Can we recommend Gilmore Girls? Mm. Uh, Or Star Trek? No, that's best enjoyed like a fine wine. One sip at a time. Mm, I don't know. Parts of TNG are really good for marathoning while you're sick. That's true. Fine. Apparently, their way that they're going to do is they're going to send a shuttle craft, which they should have done ages ago. One man goes in. Yes, we need to send a shuttle for inexplicable plot reasons. One man goes in. No man. Because for inexplicable out. plot reasons, the plot, the probes can't give us enough information. Sure. That doesn't make Fine. any sense. It doesn't nope, make any it doesn't. sense. Like, why if, wouldn't a probe be able to do if it? If they can get a comm signal out from a shuttle, they can get one out from a probe. But fine, whatever. Mm. The drama requires it. <laughs> Um, and then Bones and Spock have a slap fight over who gets to go and do the science. Well, Bones volunteers as tribute. Mm-hmm. Gleefully. Gleefully. Yeah. And thank like, you for the Hunger Games reference. You're welcome. <laughs> I thought I'd bring it back to that. Yeah, he is ecstatic at the chance to be able to murder himself on science. He's like practically dancing and clapping his hands. Yes. I get to go in the Emmy. I mean, on uh, the other hand, he is successfully fighting entropy. Yeah, better than anyone else. Everyone yeah. else is like drugged to the gills. Because he's just so excited about the space amoeba. He's like, I cannot wait to slowly penetrate its vulnerable spots. That made it weirder than the episode. That is a quote right there. And Spock's like, you can go because you have a murder complex. (laughs) Yeah, and then Kirk sort of goes, I can't deal with this right now, locks himself in his room, makes a diary entry about which of his best friends he's going to condemn to death. It's every time he needs to make a decision, he instead, dear diary, it's Kirk. How are you? Things are not great here. Are you there, God? It's me, Jim. <laughs> he should have sent both of them. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's the best solution. When you can't decide which of your best friends to kill, 
kill them kill all. both and then you're alone and don't have to listen to them anymore you can find new friends again they're all dead anyways yeah in they two don't hours they're gonna run out of life support so especially if it would make more sense if they both have different skill sets that would be able to provide yeah. different information i yeah i would have rather they had both gone also yeah. that would have cranked up the you know the angst for kirk personally Whatever. This was one of the asides that made the whole thing just drag even more than it did. It's the constant stopping to make logs. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Stop it now. That's fine. It, Bones goes into a weird rant about Vulcan dignity. I don't understand what that is. Okay. He's butthurt. Just because you're not the one going off in a shuttlecraft to die by yourself doesn't mean you have to take it out on other people. I actually wrote in my notes here, Bones is kind of a dick. He is yeah. a dick. And Spock actually says, you should wish me luck. He's asking him to wish yeah. him luck. And Bones waits until he's out of earshot. Yeah. He's going to his death. You are also dying. Like, man up. Stop like, at best, he's going to die to save you. He's being petty over the fact that he he, he has to live. And I wonder if maybe this was intended to be read as, like, he's ramping up the pettiness because he doesn't want Spock to die and he feels bad about that. But no. it didn't come across that way. No. It's just he's angry that he didn't get to die for science and that Spock gets to die for science instead. Yeah, yep. and that's stupid, so. It's very, 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 very stupid. Uh, side note, the shuttlecraft is a completely different design from every other shuttlecraft, and I believe it might be the last time we see a shuttlecraft in original series. Really? I have no idea. Last interior shot. Oh. Yeah. Probably because it was super expensive. Oh, probably. Mm. But I and like shuttlecrafts. Yeah. Really? They're like death tins. Yeah, but lots of fun well, stuff the Enterprise. happens on them. Do people really make out? One. Is there an episode of Voyager where Paris and Bolana make out in a shuttlecraft? Or Absolutely. Is that just a yes. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Is that where they fall in love? Uh, no, it's where they, um, I think it's where they decide to get married. They're in some sort of ridiculous shuttle, intergalactic shuttle race. Yep. And like Tom Paris, like... She sits in his lap. And Tom, like, stops racing and, like, pulls over to the side in order to talk to Bellana about her feelings because he's a sensitive boyfriend. (laughs) And then they get married and they go on their honeymoon in the shuttlecraft and someone has attached a giant just married sign to the back of the shuttlecraft and it's really twee and obnoxious. Other couples that make out in shuttlecrafts include uh, Miles and Keiko. Definitely. Jedediah and Worf. Probably. Definitely. (laughs) Probably also Bashir and Garrick, but off screen. (laughs) Yes, I always assume Bashir and Garrick, but I'm sure they didn't limit those activities to the shuttlecraft. It's just the shuttlecraft is awfully pointy and, like, plasticky. There's a great episode of Next Gen where nobody makes out, but Data, Picard, Troy, and... Jordy are all coming back from a conference and sitting around the table having like breakfast together and Troy gives the best anecdote ever and she does voices it's amazing and then they come across the ship and that's the same one where Picard draws a, cl- a happy face in a cloud explosion it's a great episode alright cool time bubbles cool, always cool. good fun cool 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 so Spock uh, goes penetrates the space amoeba yeah. and uh, calls home <laughs> and then Guess blah blah am, blah Mom. it's eaten enough to reproduce here I wrote science jazz hands yeah sure fine um, and you get a lot of he starts he, he delivers the crucial thing that they have to destroy it but of course the radio fuzz distorts it but Kirk picks it up because Kirk always picks up what Spock lays down impossible intuitive mm-hmm. forward leap for the sake of the plot so yeah, the planet he doesn't bother sharing with anyone. Oh no, he just sort of runs off to do stuff. Yeah, is that 
They are going to throw anti-power? Anti-matter. Sure. At the amoeba. And... And it won't taste good. So it will die? Die. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's a good old-fashioned antimatter explosion. They're, yeah. Yeah, fine. Which is cool. They can't, like, throw it in there. They have to do it point-blank rage for maximum drama. At the nucleus. Spock decides to upgrade himself to a commander. uh, Because he's all alone in his shuttle, being sad, and he's gonna die. And there's actually a moment where he's like, I want to give the fuck. Spock's a commander. He's been a commander for ages. He's a lieutenant commander. No, he's a commander. He's the first officer of the ship. He was a lieutenant commander in the first few episodes, but then he was called commander from then on. Oh, see, I'm still stuck on his lieutenant commander. Nope, he's commander. Who gave him that upgrade? Starfleet. Well, maybe they should reconsider. <laughs> considering how many times, considering how many times he has committed treason, I feel like they should demote yeah, him. But competently, Kareem. <sighs> so competently. Oh. Anyways, he has a really nice moment where it's like, "I'd like to give the highest testimonial to the Enterprise, the finest starship in the fleet." I really like that. It was. It yeah. was. He was recording his last testament, and it was very yeah. good. I was really enjoyed it. And, and then, then there was the parallel of Kirk yeah, doing another. Doing the same. I thing. like to give the recommendations of the following people for like awesome service. Although it felt a little bit Oprah, like you get a commendation and you yeah. get a commendation. Imagine being on that bridge and listening to Kirk recording this yeah. in public. Yeah, like, oh, he's gonna get to me next. Oh. <laughs> because, okay, I don't think he does Kyle. Poor Kyle's like, it's Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> One for Kyle. Oh. <laughs> poor guy, even in death. And then they gun it. Yeah, they they penetrate Rather, straight yeah. in. They just thrust themselves into the organism. Hilarious bridge tilt work from everyone on the bridge. Oh, yeah. Good job. Except for Kirk, who just kind of swivels Kirk. in his chair. Yeah. Swivel, swivel, Hard swivel, 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 swivel back. Oh, no. Yeah. Everyone else ends up on the floor. Everyone else is, like, throwing themselves around. It's great work. Yeah. So, of course, things are going to blow when you penetrate that or That's what happens. I'm sorry. I introduced this line. Uh, oh, come on. It's true. So, they're slowly withdrawing, and as they are headed out, they say, Oh, heck, there's this, here's the shuttlecraft. And Kirk is like, oh, throw a tractor beam on that. And Scotty's like, Jesus Christ, you listen to a single goddamn word that I am saying. We have enough energy to get ourselves out of here. Nothing else. And then Kirk says, okay, two tractor beams. (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty funny. Yeah. There, oh, there is hurt. only, yeah. only a very brief moment where Scott, where of course they run out of fucking energy to and, do their yeah. shit. Two and tractor two beams. Two tractor beams. Yeah. Double down, man. Double down. <laughs> and Scott is like, you are out of energy. And Kirk is like, I've done fucked up. And then he's like, wait a minute. I'm Captain James Tiberius Kirk. Things explode and everything's fine. <laughs> Although, I, I don't like that we skipped over the line where Spock realizes what they're doing and says, what the fuck are you doing? You don't have enough energy to get out and also save me. And Bones just talks over everyone, shut up, Spock, we're rescuing you. It's a beautiful moment. Spock beautiful. says, thank you, Captain McCoy. <laughs> yeah, and then stars, ta-da, it works, good job. We saved yes. the universe. But they're Probably. out of energy, so are they just, like, floating dead? Guess so. Uh, no, up is down, left is right. That's fine. Yeah. Because they're able to go back... To, because, 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 the kicker that Kim was alluding to in the episode, Ugh. everything's fine. Everything's fine. Um, no, actually, I want to go back to the explosion. 
Everything explodes to shit. They should, by all accounts and calculations, be super dead. But everyone is fine. The ship is great. The shuttlecraft is still there. Kirk's like, huh, how do we do that? The qualified engineer is like, I don't know. You should definitely all be dead. You should 100% be alive. And Kirk's like, eh, let's relax. Yeah. No worries about the it. The end. No, 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 no. The best Not part the of this end. episode oh, that was improvised on set. Oh, that yes. makes it worse. Um, oh, God. I have to get this exactly right, but my writing is kind of disintegrated Ooh. at this point. Yes. So he's talking to Bones. I'm going to set this up on the bridge. They I'm just do this at the beginning, too. So, we've, like, wrapped it up. It's oh. finally, like, quip off Kirk off. And there's a young, busty lady who comes over, and Kirk's like, I'm looking for some R&R on some lovely, strong leer at her boobs planet. It was disgusting. It was, it was really funny. gross. It was gross. <laughs> I laughed for years. For years. So, uh, moving on from that moment, which I'm now going to erase from my memory, um, there's a Tumblr post that goes around that um, that sci-fi really likes to have, like the reason that humans are so magic and special because obviously we have to be magic and special is that like we're great leaders or we form communities or whatever, and that in fact what it should be is that human beings we should not have survived long enough to get into space, (laughs) and every other space-faring race looks at us and goes. Holy shit, they are impossibly lucky. They have the ability to bend the laws of probability in their favor. <laughs> and as I was watching this episode, where Scott is staring at Kirk like he has horns, and said, and Kirk asks him, how the fuck did we get out of there? And Scott's staring at Kirk specifically going, I don't know. <laughs> what did you do? I feel like this episode proves the existence of God in a Star Trek universe. <laughs> Or some kind of, like, higher deity that is, or that like, just kind of going... James Kirk is among those who have special abilities to bend probability in their favor. I have always said that James T. Kirk is a golden god. He should be dead, like, 78 times already. I'm only I in the second think season. they just needed the ship intact so they could write next week's script. That Him, is also probably That true. is a bullshit explanation, <laughs> and I will not accept it. Okay, um, Ari, your count for this episode? Twelve ladies. Okay. Four people of color. Okay. Kim. Oh boy! Oh boy! I feel like this is one of the worst episodes. <laughs> Kim, uh, billions of inhabitants of Gamma A system, four hundred Vulcans, and one giant amoeba. Billions. I thought we were only counting humanoids now. Um, no, no, no. We count all deaths. All deaths are equal. All deaths matter. That amoeba is really dead. Only one of each of us. Hopefully, in the case of the amoeba, only one. Yeah. We don't know that. I hope we don't so. Know where Otherwise, we're going to have to go from. through all this all over again. Yeah. That's my count. So, it's a pretty, it's one of the highest death counts I think we've ever had. It's a pretty big. Bloody episode. Yep. Billions. Billions? Four, billions, 401. Ugh. Ugh. Um, life lesson, Kim. Germs are bad. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Uh, Ari? Fight entropy. It's the only reason you're here. Uh, my life lesson would be 
you're already dead, practically speaking. Wow, there way is, to bring the room down. There is no escape from the <laughs> wow. cold, clammy hand of death creeping over into your mouth and stealing your breath. So Karina's still in the negative energy field, yeah, apparently. But despite the fact that we're all dying, it means you can pretty much just walk into any explosion you want. You'll be fine. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um... Kim performance of the episode. I am going with Leonard Nimoy just because he had sort of the best line delivery a couple of times. Plus, he got that really good slam line on <laughs> calling well, out humans. Yeah, yeah. So Nimoy. Uh, all right. Also Nimoy. Same reason. I'm going to give it contrarily, not to Shander. <laughs> Can you give it to the amoeba? Shander, I'm not giving to you <laughs> for the simple reason of billions of inhabitants. Um, I'm in fact going to give it to DeForest Kelly, who has a couple of very strange mood shifts, shall we say, during the episode, but in each of them tends to give it his all. I feel like he he genuinely cares about science. I got that. Like, he he feels for science. That's that's reasonable. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So, I guess we can only end when, when you're penetrating sensitive objects. Take it slow. And now I'm really tempted to just sort of speak more and more quietly as though entropy is taking hold and I have lost all will to live. Big sigh all together. 